Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Spring break. How many of you have kids that are in spring break? How many of you are on spring break? Yeah. I remember the days when you get out of school and you have the whole week. Then you get a job and there's no such thing as spring break. For your kids, there's spring break, but not for you. We are not only on spring break, we are going to take a break in the Transform series. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed it. I loved how, uh, how uh, David was just talking about all the th- words we've been hearing from people, which is true. We've been hearing a lot, you know, uh, from the uh, Randy sermons, from the small groups, from the journals, doing the daily uh, readings in the journals. It's just been awesome. In fact, we ordered 1,200 journals way back when. And as of this morning, first hour, and I'm assuming this number, they might actually be gone by now, I don't know. We only had seven left. That means 1,200 people have picked up a journal, and hopefully, most of those people have actually worked their way through it every day as we are being encouraged to do. Now, if you have a journal, you bought one way back, yeah, yeah, this is awesome, and then all of a sudden you put it on a shelf one day, and then you kind of forgot about it. I encourage you to pick it up, this spring break, since you haven't done it for a while, and start doing some of those. Start working your way through the journal. I have found this, the journal just eye-opening at moments of time as I've read the words in there and then write a little bit of the journal. I'm not a writer. I don't know how many of you guys are that way. I'm, I don't like writing. <laughs> little kids back there, I'm not a writer. Okay, you better be. You're a kid. All right. Anyway, I've, I've even enjoyed writing. And I, I, that's not one thing I love doing. I just type a lot. But writing, I've enjoyed that a lot. So I want to encourage you to do that. We are on a break. And what I've been doing, I don't know about you, is I've been collecting all the sermon notes that Randy does. Fill in the blank. And I, I underline and I circle as he's preaching. I write in the side because I believe God's communicating to us all the time. And when Randy speaks, I listen. And I write down what's going on. And I just want to quickly go over what we've learned since the beginning, if you haven't been with us. The very first one was, how do we grow closer to Christ? The further away is trouble, and the closer we get to God is transformed. Next one, it was stress to bless, which spoke awesome into my life, that our bodies aren't made to be in constant state of stress. Talked about seven habits to reduce the stress. Change your Change your life by changing your mind. Here's a quote from Rick Warren that I've heard several people tell me. It just kind of made them think. He says, God is, far, God is far more interested in changing your mind than changing your circumstances. Several people have talked to me and said that just kind of made them think differently. Then the, another one was uh, how to deal with how you feel, all about emotions, how I must manage our emotions. And then last week we looked at uh, how... What happens when fear enters into our relationships? So it's been an awesome, we're on a break, but here's the deal. I want to encourage you to continue on this week. Don't take a break from transformed in the, in the uh, area of your daily readings. Your group might not be meeting. We encourage all the groups to meet, but kind of like mine, everybody's kind of going every direction, and so we won't be meeting, but... You need to continue in your daily readings. I'm going to give you a couple ideas. One is, if you have all the sermon notes, go back every day and use a sermon note. 
Read through all the fill in the blanks, all the little things you wrote in there, and then go back into your journal. You remember your journal's got all those questions? And then for each time you finish reading the notes, answer the questions. What did I hear? What will I learn? Or what? I can't remember them all. Fill those in. Or go back and read your favorite ones. The ones that jumped off the page to you the last several weeks. Just go back and read them. In fact, go back and read the ones way at the beginning and see if God is already transforming you. As you read through it, you say, wow, I've changed my thoughts already on this. This is really cool kind of stuff. So go back and do that. Or if you like mobile devices, you got to have it with you wherever you go. Uh, if you look on the back of your sermon notes, turn it over, go to the bottom, you'll see an address where I've put about five or six, about five to six day readings that you can do to continue yourself in God's word. And uh, I encourage you to do that. And there you also see next steps. As David spoke, it's about time we start thinking next steps. We are on a break from Transform the series, but transformation in your life happens every minute of every day. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe God's wanting to transform you right this moment? That's a decision you've got to make. I believe that. I believe God's working our lives every moment of every day. And now's the time. Several months ago, we were talking about the scheduling of Transformed. I was, we'll do this one, then we'll do this one. And then spring break hit, and Randy just said, we're going to take a break. Now, everything in my being, being in ministry for a bazillion years, said, don't, you don't take a break. You lose momentum. Do not take break. You will lose momentum. That's a bad thing. Everything. Now that we're here at the break, you know, God's a pretty smart dude. He's got a plan. And I think he designed it to put that break and to tell Randy, we're taking a break for this reason. Because he knows right about now, we all need to be thinking, as David challenged us, what's our next steps? Because seriously, we're going to finish the last two. We're going to jump right into Easter, and then we're, we're almost into summer. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come fast and furious. So I think this break is God-timed for us to take a break and to start thinking, the series is almost done, but my transformation will not be done until I stand in front of Christ. And what's my plan? One of my favorite lines about that, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. You need a plan. God's word in Proverbs tells us, we make the plan, who firms up our step? Who? God. Man makes the plan, God firms the steps. We've got a role to play. We need to make a plan. And this morning, I want to share with you what God laid on my heart as I was thinking about this break and I was thinking about the plan. I want to share with you, and I get the privilege to share with you, one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. When I thought of this moment, God just raised that story to my mind. I said, really, God, I love this story. It's one of my favorites. He said, yeah, I want you to use it. I would still remember when I was a kid, when I first heard the story in Sunday school, how many people remember flannel graphs? Remember flannel graphs? Yes, I see some of you. If you don't remember them, you missed out. They were, you knew it was a good Sunday morning in Sunday school when the flannel graph board was out. You walked in as a kid and went, yes! Now they got videos, all this stuff. 
They would just stick up, you know, Mary and Joseph on there, and they'd move all the angels around. It was, and then if you were a good kid, you got to be in charge of putting the stuff up on the flower graph. Totally awesome stuff. But I remember the first time hearing that story as a kid and loving it as I grew up. Even as an adult, I still enjoy the story. It's about Peter. It's about Jesus. I'm going to give it away here. It's about a boat. And it's about water. How many people know what the story is? Huh? Isn't that a great story? It's a great moment in time. It's totally awesome. But I believe... You can learn a lot of stuff from this story. Ooh, I was just talking to somebody afterwards. They come in and go, you know what? What I've learned from this story? And listed off a couple of things. I said, that's the beauty of God's word. And you could read the same story when I was a kid to where I'm an adult, and I'm still learning brand new things from that story. Some of the things I have to learn over and over, and only God knows that. You haven't gotten that yet, Robert. I'm going to teach you again in the story. You've got to learn this. Part of my transformation. And I believe there's three qualities, three principles, three things we need in order to move forward in our spiritual transformation. Hear this. Spiritual transformation just doesn't happen. You can't sit home and say, transform me. You have to move. Part of that moving is coming here Sunday. Part of that moving is getting into God's word through the journal. Part of that moving is meeting with a small group. But this story reveals to us three principles, qualities, that will help us in that move. Let me pray before we get moving here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time, for your word. Just speak through us. Speak to me. Lord, I need to learn so much more. As you unveil this word to us, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Get your Bible out, mobile device, whatever you use, or it'll be on behind me on the screen. And turn to Matthew chapter 14. And as you're doing that, I'm going to set the stage. Jesus had just finished uh, feeding 5,000 people. And if that wasn't enough, after they fed 5,000 people, they had 12 baskets. Remember, a little kid, lunch. I said first hour, if it was today, bologna sandwich and some chips. But back then, it was fish and loaves. And Jesus took a very small, made a lot happen, and not only did he meet all the needs for the people, he gave them take home. Twelve baskets left over that they could take. Take home. After that was done, he told the disciples, hey, boys, I need you to get in the boat, and I need you to go. I'll meet you there. I need to be alone. Bible tells us he went to the mountainside, and what Jesus does and what we can learn from just a snippet of moment of time in God's word is he was alone and he connected with his heavenly father. We need to do that. That's what Sunday morning, that's what journal, that's what being alone, connecting. Jesus did it. We need to be doing it. So he does that. The disciples get in the boat and they get out on the boat and they're going in the boat and there's no motors in the boat, so it's not a motor boat. They have oars, right? And the Bible tells us the wind and everything, and they're not, they're not getting far. They're a distance out in the water, but they're not getting far. And here we go, starting verse 25. Shortly before dawn, around 4 o'clock or so in the morning, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. 
cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said, take courage at his eye. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, come to me. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wave or the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, save me, Lord. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. That's a great story. I think to myself, I do this a lot. I heard that chuckle. I do this a lot. Um, I think to myself, now, if I had been living back then, and I was a friend of one of the guys on the boat. I wasn't on the boat. I was just a friend of one of the guys on the boat. And that guy comes to me a few days later and goes, okay, i got to tell you this story. It's totally amazing. We're out in the boat. We look out. We think it's a ghost. It's Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, well, he did just feed 5,000 people with hardly anything. So, yeah, you could probably walk on the water. I'm, you know. The guy goes, guy goes nah, don't, don't, don't stop me. Peter, he walked on water. I would have stopped, and I would have looked at my friend, and I would have said, seriously, this really happened? I saw it. I would, I would, I read this story, and it just blows my mind. It's a great story, isn't it? Just, a, just that story itself is an awesome story. But the truth is, God doesn't just put a story in for story's sake. Oh, let me think. I'm going to put a cool story in there about feeding 5,000. God puts stories in the Bible to learn truth about him. So there's a purpose behind this story. While it is an awesome story, and I love telling the story, it's the purpose behind it that we can grab a hold of and move forward with as we plan out our next steps as we continue to move forward in our relationship with God. For God has a purpose in everything he does. And this story has a purpose in what he's trying to do. And what I want to do is unpack just real quickly three qualities. But first one, here's the first one. Fill in the blank. Here you go. Courage. Bible says when the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, take courage as I don't be afraid. Life is full of scary situations. Job, financial, relationships. Life is just full of situations that are scary. I'll never forget. Years ago, when my youngest daughter, Heather, was in elementary school, she came down with an illness that we had no clue what it was. The doctors didn't know. Spent a week in children's hospital. Took out vials and vials of blood to test. Nobody knew. Talk about fear. As I sat in that dark room with this little girl, they sedated so heavy that they put her to sleep because they felt that was the best state for her. As I sat there and every doctor would walk in, nope, not that. Talk about the fear that was gripping me at that moment of time. Fear. 
The good news is, as only God does, works these things out. They finally diagnose it by the lack of a diagnosis, if that makes sense. And we've been able as a family, and now as her as a young adult, has been able to manage it. And God worked, God used that moment in her life, in my life, in her mom's life, and everybody that was connected to little Heather back then to bring transformation in their lives. To walk me, I can only speak for me, but walk me through a valley of fear as I feared the worst for my daughter as he walked me through that. Disciples in the boat. They're experiencing difficulty moving. They look up. They see something walking across the water. They cry out in fear. And what does Jesus say? Take courage. Don't be afraid. And those are great words. Those are awesome words. But sandwiched right in the middle of those words is the power. It's the strength that make those words jump off the page. I could tell you, take courage. Don't be afraid. Thanks, Robert. Because I can't say, it is I. Well, Jesus is saying, I am God. I am your creator. I am here. Take courage. I'm here. I'm your God. Don't be afraid. It is I. Powerful words. We jump through them really fast. We're thinking he's always saying, take courage. Hey, boys, it's me, Jesus. Oh, it's more powerful than that. He's taking a claim. I am God. The waves, all this stuff, I created it. I control it. Because of who I am, take courage. Don't be afraid. Joshua 1.9 says, Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And here it is. Here's the payoff right here. For the Lord, who's God? Your God. Personalize it. For the Lord, my God, will be with me wherever I go. He's your God. He's with you wherever you go. He was telling the guys in the boat, don't be afraid, I'm your God. Take courage, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm just an all-around nice guy. No, because I'm God. And then we're reminded here, he's our God. And he's with, with you wherever you go, wherever you go. Some of you might be thinking, oh, next steps, courage. I'm not afraid of taking next steps. Here's the deal. I wouldn't disagree with you on that, but here's the deal. You're going to make some plans. You're going to get them all set up. You're going to start those plans, and something's going to drop in your life. It always does. That's going to be scary or a situation that brings a little bit of fear. And what does fear like to do? Fear likes to distract and get us off the path. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to get all the plans set up. You're going to get all the things. And, and because you're not meeting with a group constantly about this topic, it's going to be easy to go, oh, wow, oh. And then all of a sudden, you're, instead of over here being transformed, you're over here. Or maybe your transformation that God wants to walk you through, maybe he's saying into your heart of hearts, and you've been hearing it for a while, but kind of pushing it off a little bit, is he wants you to share your faith with a coworker, 
our neighbor are the coach of your kid's team. And you've been, whoa, fear. Or just maybe part of your transformation is he's calling you to serve, to serve people. And just maybe there's a few of you out there, you're getting a sense he's calling you to work with junior hires. Fear. I say that. I did that for 20 years. I pastored junior hires and loved it. And I know there's a few of you out there that God has placed in your heart the ability to love on as like nobody else, to love on junior high students. And he's calling you to do that. But fear is distracting. Now, here's the deal about courage. When God says, take courage, it is I. This isn't something we do. I don't walk around and go, courage, courage, courage. Like the cowardly lion, remember? Wizard of Oz? Courage! I could do it, courage. That's not how it works. What did we learn in that verse? Sandwich here, sandwich here. It's about God. The courage that God's calling us to is the courage he will supply. And how does he do that? As we rest, live out, grow in the understanding that our God, your God, my God, is with me every step of the way. Remember the song, He Makes You Brave? Who makes you brave? Robert makes Robert brave? God makes you brave. How does that happen? Uh, here's a couple of quotes I love. I want to just read these to you. Rick Warren reminds us, you, cannot, you can't talk yourself out of fear. You must move against it, and fear will fall. Nelson Mandela, this is one of my favorite quotes about courage and fear. I've learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel fear, but he who conquers that fear. How do we conquer or move against that fear? We just pull ourselves by our bootstraps. No. That's what the world tells us to do. We move against, we conquer that fear by remembering by listening, maybe by saying, in the middle of a fearful situation, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. My God, he's with me every step of the way. Don't be afraid. Courage, number one. Number two, it's not enough to have courage. It needs to move into obedience. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter says, tell me to come to you on the boat. Jesus says, come. Obedience. How many people grew up in the church saying hymns and the old hymn, trust and obey? There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Sounds so simple. Sounds so simple when you sing it like that. And in some respects, you know, you know, God asks us to read our Bible every day. I can do that, you say. In fact, I've been doing that. Yes, one for me. And God says, go to church. I've been doing that. Two for me. Then God comes along and says, love others. I can do mostly that. 
mostly two, let's go two and three quarters for me. Okay? Others say, but then God comes on and says, serve others in my name. I would love to do that, but I'm really busy and I don't have the time. Okay, it's two and three quarters and, and in an upward trend is what we're saying. Then God says to us, give me 10% of your paycheck. Ah! Whoa, 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 whoa. Then he says, oh, and by the way, I want you to talk to your friends about me. I think the pastor should do that. Pastor, pastor. Obeying sounds so easy to do, but it's hard. Courage and the desire to obey is needed as we move forward in our next steps. And I put the word desire in there because it's hard. You've got to have the want. You've got to have the will to want to obey. Because this is what I know would be true about us as people. We will truly obey if only we know what the end results will be. Wouldn't obedience be easier if we always knew what the results would be? God says, do this. I say, God, show me the end results. God goes, here it will be. And I'll say, okay, I can do that. But he doesn't do that, does he? He just says, do this. I say, but what will the outcome going to be? And he says, and I say, hello, what will the outcome be? And he says, hello, what will the outcome? And he says, so then I come back here and I go, well, maybe I won't do it. We are, everything inside of us says, when a decision has to be made, when God's calling us to something, or we're sensing this is the right thing to do, everything inside us to say, we need to act on what we can see, what we know to be true, before I will obey. Before I will do what God, let's lose the word obey, before I will do what God's asked me to do. Because that's, that's what obedience is, doing what God's called us to do. And we want it all lined out. But the problem is, that's not what the Christian faith's about. That's what the world is. Remember, do not be transformed by the patterns of the world. The world says, hey, line it all out, know what you're doing, so that way it's easier to do it. Well, there's something to that when you got a job in front of you. But your faith is not a job. Now, here's the great news. God does have it all lined out for you. He's just not going to stand back here and blow your mind apart by telling you how it's going to go. Because he lines it out and he says, oh, this is going to be tough on Robert. But I'm going to walk him through it. I'm going to transform him like nobody's business. And if I know this way back here, then I'm going to do that. Obedience. We're called to obey God. And it's hard because we want to see the end results. We want to know what's going to happen. We're just afraid it's a little too risky for me to step out on obedience. And this is what we've got to know, we've got to realize. That God is calling us in 2 Corinthians 5-7. Live by faith, not by sight. Ten years ago, God called me to obey. Ten years ago, he called me to Gateway Community Church here in Houston, Texas. Me and my family moved here. Now, if you don't know my story, you're thinking, well, that's not a big deal. Okay, so you moved to Houston. Would you like to leave Dallas, Austin? Where'd you come from? San Diego, California. 
Yes. We moved from San Diego, California. This is, what I knew, this is what we knew to be true 10 years ago at that moment in time. All our family was there. All our friends were there. My kids had great friends, friendship groups, a good church, good ministry. This is what we knew to be true, a house. We'd settled in. You know how on the house on earth, this is our forever home. Yeah, whatever. This is our forever home. And one day, God said, nope, I need you to go to Houston, Texas. So we pulled everybody up, and we moved to Houston, Texas, because I'm one brave dude. I said, family, get behind me. I'm the bravest man in the world. Here we go. Are you kidding? My wife and I would talk for hours. Is this really the right thing to do? Are we doing the right thing? Then we make the move, and we realized when we got here, we knew nobody. There's not one person when we came through the doors, oh, familiar face. (laughs) And then we realized you guys talk funny. You say you all. On the West Coast, we say you guys. Out here, you say you all. That took something. But I got to tell you what. I had, there were moments of fear in the transition and in the first several years of, I remember sitting in my office looking out the window thinking, did I do the right thing moving my family here? And you might experience that too. Am I doing the right thing? Obedience, hard tough. But here's the riskier thing to do. You rely on yourself. You rely on what you know to be true. All those guys in the boat, they're all in the boat. Peter's in the boat. The boat's out in the water. It's kind of moving around. Jesus comes out. They cry in fear. He says, fear not. Peter recognizes who it is. Says, One translation says, since it's you, identifying who it was, since it's you, tell me, come. Jesus says, come. Imagine the guys in the boat going, he shouldn't have asked that. He shouldn't have said that. He says, come. And uh, Peter had a decision to make. He could have calculated in his mind real quick. Boat, good. Water, bad. Boat, comfortable. Water, really bad and cold. And he could have stayed in that boat. Sat back down and said, that's all I needed here. That you, okay, that's great. Good news. He told me to come, but I don't need to come. I trust him. I'm going to sit down back in the boat. He could have sat in the boat. Odds are Jesus would have walked, climbed into the boat. They would have rowed themselves ashore, and everything would have been happy. But here's the deal. Peter would have missed out on a moment where God was radically going to transform his life. He would have missed it. He would have never known, but he would have missed it. Those men Sometimes it's not about us. We're trying to make decisions. You know, the Rick Warren thing, it's all about God, and I understand that. It is truly all about God. But sometimes we've got to make decisions that is decisions about what we're going to do. We need to realize some of these decisions, like Peter's decision to come out of that boat, not only affected him, but those men, it just transformed their lives as never before. So his obedience affected their transformation. Your obedience, you will never know whose transformation it's going to affect around you. 
If you're a parent, it's going to affect your kids. And you're going to need to explain to them after they're crying around the dinner table that we're moving to Houston that this is what God wants us to do. Cheer up. We'll be fine. As then everything inside me is like, I don't know. I hope so. But I knew I had to walk by faith and not by sight. So Peter steps out of the boat, and not only does it begin to transform his own life, it affects the man. Here's what I know to be true. It's 100% always better and safer to depend on God and obey him. No exception. You can never say, well, obey God. Boy, that was a bad thing. Now, it might not have turned out the way you wanted it. But who created you? Who's got your life? Who's, who's with you every step of the way? Who knows who you, who's, your creator knows what's best. You can never go wrong obeying and trusting God. Lastly, so you got courage, you got obedience. I'd put in a little equation, Cour- courage plus obedience plus, the last word is Perseverance. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why do you doubt? Peter was experiencing transformation as he stepped out on that boat. But then as he stepped out on that boat and he began to walk, circumstances... For him, the circumstances were water and, and wind overtook him, and he began to sink. Hear this. The circumstances aren't what caused Peter to fall. Life's full of circumstances. The circumstances, the water, the rain, that's not what caused him to fall. Remember, he climbed out of the boat, walked a few steps, same circumstances, was happening, and all of a sudden, what happened? What does he do? He takes his focus, his eyes off of Jesus. What caused him to sink was not his circumstances. What caused him to sink is where his focus went from. I have to believe, when he stepped out of this boat, he was locked on staring at Jesus. Because if he was looking at his feet, looking at the water right below him, he's... Human thought would say, this ain't going to work. So I have to believe the reason he did that is because he was looking at his Jesus, and he knew what Jesus was able to do. So he steps out on the boat, full focus on Jesus, and he's moving along, and all of a sudden, he feels the wind. Probably starting to get a little wet because the waves are hitting him. And he takes his focus off his Jesus, and he looks around and goes, oh, no. And that's when he begins to fall. Life's going to be full of difficulties. Life is going to be full of circumstances. Things that don't go well. Struggles, hurts. We're going to be moving in our transform. We're going to make a plan. We're going to be moving. We're going to, we're going to rely on God to give us the courage. We're going to even step out on faith. And we're going to be out there walking. And life's going to come crashing in. As only life does. The question is, where's your focus going to be? Is it going to be on Jesus? Or is it going to be on the stuff around you? 
courage, obedience, perseverance. That journey from, from San Diego to Houston, God gave me and my wife courage, not my courage. If it was up to me, we'd still be in San Diego. But I, took, I grabbed a hold of the courage that God was supplying to me because I knew he wanted us in Houston at Gateway. So I grabbed a hold of his courage, and I took a step of faith, of obedience. I didn't know what was going to be there. And we stepped out on that faith, drove across, little minivan jammed full of junk, kids in there. And we came here, and there have been moments in that first several years we had to persevere because fear just wanted to crash down on us. Courage plus obedience plus perseverance, I believe, equals transformation. This week, I want to encourage you have that plan. What's your next step? Don't walk out of here and think, oh, I got the whole week. I'll do it on Saturday before the sermon Sunday. Walk out of here. Take a few minutes. Maybe on the car ride home, talk with the people in your car. What are your plans? Well, what's my plan? What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Maybe we can do something together. Because in two weeks, we'll do the dollar and we'll do the hammer. Some of these icons are really cool. Dollar and hammer, and we'll be done. The series will be totally done. The cool lights and all that stuff will be done. Like I said earlier, and then we drop right into Easter, and then we're almost into summer. And it's going to go fast. And now's the time. Courage. It is I, says God. Obedience. you got to step by faith. Trust me. Perseverance. Time's going to get hard. And here's the climax. Here's the crescendo of the story. All the guys in the boat, Jesus standing there, they looked at him and what did they say? Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. And I just ask that your word would do a work in each of our lives. Lord, I know as I was, as I was sharing these words, you've been teaching me. Help me to be a person of action. Help us all to be people of action. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Some of you, that, before you leave, some of you this morning are sitting there thinking, I, I, need, I need to talk to somebody. We got a great prayer team right down here in front. Come forward. If nothing else, ask them to pray to help you, just to pray over you for your next steps. Do that before you leave today. Have a great Sunday. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.